0: morning once again. Like I said, we are so glad that you're here. I'm going to adjust that a little bit, get it closer to my mouth hole. Uh, Chase already told me not to mess up this morning, so I appreciate those words of encouragement. Mom, if you're still watching and not at my house doing the Easter basket, uh, Brenna also wanted you to know that she didn't get one, so you're 0 for 2 uh, so far this morning. Uh, I have to give you two uh, disclaimers this morning, okay? Two that I think are important for you to know. Uh, One, I have resting angry face, okay? When I start preaching and get into it, uh, like I sometimes do, it looks like I'm mad. At no point am I angry. I love all of you, okay? I'll try to remember to smile. Two, my back decided that this morning was the perfect time to start spasming. So if I make a really weird face at some point, it's not the spirit. Uh, It is just, I mean, it could be, it might be but it's probably just my back telling me how much it hates me being obese. So uh, wanted to let you guys know that, but we are gonna start this morning and I am excited again for you guys to be here. We are starting a new series today called Alive. And I know that this will shock you, but today we're looking at the resurrection. And for the remainder of the series, we're gonna look at the events that took place after Jesus rose from the dead. I'm really excited about it. I think that we will learn some good things from it. And so I invite you not only to to be here today as you are, but to come back and join us and, and, and give this whole thing a shot. Now, when it comes to looking at the life of Jesus, two events, they really get all the attention. The first being his birth, right? Because hope had come and the angels are singing and he's This sweet, little, perfect baby, six-pound, five-ounce bait. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, We don't really know that information, right? And the second is his death. Now, obviously... Uh, we've devoted a whole day to the resurrection. It's why we have the Easter holiday. And so it hasn't been overlooked, but it still doesn't quite have the same standing as the other two in our minds. And part of that is the way that the church handles those things. And if you look at Christmas, right, there's all that anticipation as in the buildup and, and all the family get togethers and all those things. And so it just feels weightier. And then the church looks at Christ's death as it should as being a monumentous occasion in history. But but I think at times we focus too much on the fact that we're all sinners and we need to be saved. And hear me, I know that's weird to hear a pastor say, but if we're overlooking the resurrection because we're focused so much on the act of what Christ did on the cross, then we are completely missing out on the greatness of who Christ was. With Christ's birth, hope had come. With his death, That hope was justified, and with his resurrection, that hope was firmly realized. We're going to be in Luke chapter 24 today. We're going to look at verses 1 through 12, and then uh, we're just going to look at what we can learn from, from that piece of scripture. So Luke 24, verse 1 says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices, women, The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because the words seemed like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. (coughs) Excuse me. Now, the resurrection, one thing that we have to understand and know about it is that the resurrection was a promise kept. These events, this event was absolutely supernatural, but it was not coincidental. It happened exactly like Jesus had said that it would in his ministry leading up. It happened exactly as it was prophesied about in the Old Testament. And so we have to understand that, that this is a show of Jesus' authority. It's a show of Jesus' power, his power over death, his power over death. In John chapter 2, Jesus clears the temple courts because, in his words, they turned his father's house into a market. We can get a bottle of water. The Jews in the temple wanted a sign... They wanted him to show a sign of his authority. They even asked him, they, they said, Jesus, why, why can you do this? And I got to back up because I jumped ahead. So we're in John chapter two and Jesus goes to temple courts, right? And he says, hey, this is my father's house. You're turning into market. He starts turning over tables. He's upset. He said, you have turned my father's house into a marketplace, into a marketplace. You're selling your memorabilia. You've got your pigeons and your coffee shop. That's a joke right? This is not what church is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about my father, not all the cool things that you have to offer, including the gym membership. This is about God. And so they say, hey, whoa, 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 where is this authority? Why why do you think that you can tell us this? And this is in John chapter two and it's verse 19. And they wanted a sign. And Jesus said, here's the sign, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days destroy this temple. I'll raise it again in three days. And they thought to themselves, it took us 46 years to build this temple. The first time it says that in John chapter two, took us 46 years. You think you could raise it again in three days. He wasn't talking about the temple, right? He's not talking about the physical building. He's talking about his temple, his body, destroy this temple. And I will raise it again in three days. That's my authority for saying that you are turning my father's house. That was the claim that they were upset with. How can you say that God was your father? He's saying, I'm, I'll show you by having the power to destroy death once and for all. And so there's an interesting side note in John 2, chapter 2, 22, about his disciples. It said, after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said, After right? And then they believed in scripture in the words that Jesus had spoken. Excuse me, guys. I'm so sorry. See, that wasn't the spirit either. That was allergies. That was pollen. So those things happen. And here's these disciples. They lived with Jesus. They served with Jesus. They saw Jesus do the miraculous. And still they failed to understand exactly what his purpose in life was. And I think we do too. By just a hair, just a little bit. See, if the cross was the pinnacle, then it would have been Christ's final act. I firmly believe that. If the Christ was the pinnacle of Jesus' ministry, if it was supposed to be the entire highlight, it would have been the end. But as we know, it wasn't. We treat the cross as if it was the grand finale, right? If that's when the fireworks were going off and that's when it all ended. And Jesus ha- has brought forgiveness to us, and he-, he did that, but it was never meant to be the finale, ever. The resurrection, I would argue, is Christ's greatest act. And I'm going to try to explain why I think that. But first, I want you to not hear me belittling what Christ did on the cross, okay? I want you to understand that. Is it getting cold in here? Just me? It's a little cold in here. Can we adjust the air, please? Thank you. I was, I got meat sweats going. No, I'm cutting <laughs> I just started sweating and like the breeze is hitting. I'm going to get pneumonia. What are you guys doing to me? I'm preaching. That's what I'm doing. (laughs) So the resurrection was Christ's greatest act. And I don't want you to hear me belittling what Christ did on the cross because he died on the cross for your sins. If you've ever been in church or been around somebody that's gone to church, there's a chance that you've heard that. Christ died on the cross your sins, to bring forgiveness to you. And his sacrifice was necessary in order to bring forgiveness for our sins. There were previous sacrifices, right? They had to be given repeatedly. They never, ever did the job. And it's because those sacrifices had zero chance at giving you life. Christ sacrificed the one that happened and was good once and for all that covered a multitude of sins, your sins, my sins, all the sins. It was so powerful because of what happened three days later right christ defeated i should say christ paid the price for sin with what he did on the cross but he defeated the 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 results of sin which is death through his resurrection through his resurrection and through his resurrection he can give us life he can give us life that That we would not be able to experience any other way. In Ephesians 2, verse 1 and 4 and 5, it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgression and sins, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by his grace that you have been saved. If we look at John 3, 16, and this is one of those, this is like, Christian's favorite verse, right? Like this is the one that we always go to and there's a reason that we go to it because we realize the importance of what God did. And it says this, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It doesn't say that whoever believes in him will be forgiven of their sins. Is that a result of putting your faith and your trust in Jesus? Yes, yes. But what does it focus on? Eternal life. God gave his son, not so that you could be forgiven, but so that you could experience life. A life like Christ experienced, that even though he died on this earth, he was able to rise again. It's an eternal life. It is a life spent with Jesus in heaven. And I firmly believe I would not have dedicated my life to ministry if I didn't believe with all of my being that this opportunity was available for me and for all of you as well. If I didn't think that this was 100% true, you would see me nowhere near church. But there is value and there is life in living a life that is Christ-like. And maybe not so good for me or maybe good for me, in my life I have lived two ways. I've lived as if Christ did not exist, and I've lived as if Christ is the Son of God. And I will tell you that I've experienced more joy, more happiness, more fun, living as if Christ is the Son of God than living as if he did not exist. And what Christ did on the cross was solidified, was celebrated by what he did when he got up and he walked out of that grave. And he brought you life for God so loved the world that he gave his only son not just so that you would experience forgiveness, but so that you would know what it was like to truly live. You see, the crucifixion always came with this caveat, the act of restoration, of being restored. It would only be completed with the resurrection of Jesus. So yes, God gave his son, not only to bring you forgiveness for your sins and to bring me forgiveness for my sins, because the crucifixion was the payment for sin. But he did that to reverse the course of sin's effect, death. Death. And so yes, you will die on this earth. And I will die on this earth. And it's painful and it's unfortunate. But for those who have placed their faith and their trust in Jesus... It's not the end. Not even close. It is the beginning of eternity. And by definition, that goes on forever. That is the life that Christ has to offer you. So a message to the church right now. For those of you that would consider yourselves believers. I think that it's important for you to focus less on forgiveness and more on life and more on life. I want you to have a relationship with Jesus because it will bring you life. A focus, a focus that focuses on forgiveness as being the main element of what Christ did is what leads to the signs in the streets that say turn or burn. Right? And hopefully we look at that and we say that is vile and that is disgusting because in John 3 it goes on to say that Christ did not come to condemn the world but to save it. Christ came so that people could experience love and grace and compassion and life. And so, yes, it is necessary to find forgiveness in life. It is necessary to repent. But that's not what it's all about. It's about finding life through Christ. And I think, at least I know for me, The way that it worked is when I put that to a test, I'm gonna live according to what scripture tells me. And I'm gonna look at the results. I like stats, I like facts. So I knew the way that I was living. I'm gonna try something different. I'm gonna give it a shot and see the results. And I found that way of living to be justified. And I found that way of living to be worth it. Having a relationship with Christ isn't about being forgiven. I'm going to beat this horse until I know it's dead. It is not about being forgiven. It's about being alive. It's about finding life. It's about living your best life. It's about experiencing all the joy that God had intended for us when he created creation. It's about knowing what it would have been like in the garden. And we catch a glimpse of it when we put our faith and our trust and our hope in Christ. But when we are resurrected like Christ was resurrected, then we get to experience the real deal. And I will tell you all that while I love every minute of my life here on earth, and I have been blessed tremendously, I have a hard time waiting for the joy that I'm going to experience. And I know that there are a lot of you in here because I know so many of your stories that are experiencing pain and have experienced the pain of losing a loved one. But you should know, and I don't say this lightly, that if they put their faith and they put their trust in Jesus, they are not dead. They may not be here, but they are not dead. I believe that with everything that's in me. And I would not say that lightly. And so we have to move from nonsense to knowledge. What does that mean? In 1 Corinthians 1.18, we are told for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And if you're a Christian and not a Christian, I think that you can see both sides of that coin, right? If you're a Christian, you're a Christian because you believe because you have faith that you are being saved by what Jesus did on the cross. And if you're not, you probably think we're a bit foolish. And like I said, I've lived both ways, so I get that side of the coin. You think that this guy's death on a cross, his crucifixion, is going to bring you forgiveness and bring you new life, really? I actually do. I do. That's not always been the case, but I do. I would bet anything on it. I shouldn't do that, right? But I would. I absolutely would. All of our lives, this is my firm belief. I have a lot of firm beliefs today, but firm beliefs are important sometimes. All of our lives boil down to how we view the cross. Either it's nonsense, which I believe results in an eternity in hell. And I take no joy in saying that. None. It's just the truth that I find in scripture. Or it's our saving grace, which results in an eternity in heaven. If you're here today and you just heard me say that, guess what? You're responsible now for that decision. You are. And I think one day you'll stand before God. This is Again, something I truly believe. And you'll have to give an account for the way that you lived your life. And you'll have to answer to, how come you didn't place your trust in me? How come you didn't put your faith in me? How come you didn't believe in me? And saying, I never knew, I never heard, that excuse has now been removed from you. Because I'm here to tell you that God so loved the world that he gave his only son to die on a cross so that yes, you could experience forgiveness but more importantly, so that you could experience life. And all I ask, all I ask is that each of us make this decision for ourselves. Make it for yourself. I think that your eternity, if there's even a possibility that what I'm saying today is true, even if it's one one millionth, a chance in your mind that it's true. You owe it to yourself to make a judgment. Not based on other people. Not based on who's wronged you. Not based on how many hypocrites you see in the church because you can turn to your left and you can turn to your right and you'll probably see one. Even though I love everybody in here, you can look right up here and you'll probably see one. Right? Because I'm not always perfect. Sometimes I'm dumb. Sometimes I don't treat... That was a little too quick of a laugh. (laughs) All right. A little too quick. I make mistakes. I don't always act like Christ, which is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be a representation to him, but I'm far from perfect at it. And so don't base it on me. Don't base it on other people. You need to seek Jesus and come to that decision yourself. Read the Bible Live the way it calls you to live. Do whatever it is that you need to do that works for you. But you owe it to yourself. You owe it to your eternity to make a decision. And I'll tell you one thing. Whatever decision you come to, you will still have my love and you will still have my respect. Because one, that's what I'm called to do by Jesus. But two, we're people, we're human. We all have to make decisions and live by those decisions. And sometimes we make mistakes and sometimes we don't. And I guess there's a possibility that when I die, that's just it. Maybe I just become worm food. But I don't believe that. Not for a second. Do I believe that? Not for a single second. And so we have to decide, is there merit in what is found in scripture or is there not? We can't make that decision based on others, but we must make that decision based on the character of Jesus, who he was, the way that he lived his life and his teachings. Do not leave your eternity in the hands of others because when it comes down to it, it's all about individual responsibility. and It's all about the choice that you will make. If you want to talk to me today about that, if you want to tell me you think I'm foolish or stupid, I'll listen. I will, I'll have any conversation you want to have. But if you have questions, if there's something on your heart and on your mind, don't leave today without getting that off your chest. If I've said something today that hurts, you know that in no way, shape or form was that my intention, but I'd like to know that as well because I don't want you to leave here with hurt or pain. Do not avoid Jesus because you've met a follower of Jesus who failed you. Okay, you wouldn't stop going to Walmart because you met a bad employee. The logic truly is the same, but the magnitude far greater. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. I thank you for each and every single individual who graced us with their presence this morning. Lord, I hope that they can remove me from the equation and that they can see, God, you in all of this. That they can see you in the world. That they can see you in creation. That they will, at the very least... take the time to to make a decision on whether or not they see the truth in your word whether or not they see the truth in who you were as a person I speak for myself now God and I just I thank you for giving your son for sacrificing him and, and for Jesus willingly going to the cross even though I'm sure that every moment leading up to it had to be excruciating. And every part of his death had to be excruciating. But that was necessary for us to experience forgiveness. And in that we see one of the greatest acts of love in human history. But three days later, he rose. He paid for our sin, but then he defeated death. So that we could defeat death. It would not have happened without him. And so God, I I just want to say thank you. And I want to praise you because you love us. Each and every single one of us. Help us to be shining examples of who you are in the world around us to share your love and your grace so that others might know Jesus and have life. We ask all these things in Jesus' powerful name, amen. I'm gonna mask up, I'm gonna stand right here, right here. If you need to come pray about anything, please come pray with me this morning. If you want to talk about what it would be like to have a relationship with Jesus, what that entails, how you can experience life, please don't hesitate. Otherwise, stand and worship. Stand and ask God if he's real. Put his word to the test.